government protections and environmental activism are keeping pace with the current degradation of our planet and discuss alternatives. Rate of Change is brought to you by Coos Commons Protection Council, working for community rights and a sustainable energy future. To learn more about Coos Commons, visit cooscommons.org. This is Mary Jedry, um, recording live from Flappers Coffee House in Coos Bay. My guests today are Patty Gabea. Um, if you don't know already, a lot of the uh, housing units that you've seen with all of the solar panels on it, um, you can thank Patty Gabea for that. And Kai Hushka <laughs> of Seldap um, Community Environmental Legal Defense Fund. And we are going to be talking about uh, climate change and rights of nature today. Thank you both for joining me, and I think we should just dig right in and talk about the state of our environment, and not the least of which is uh, climate change. You guys want to weigh in? Wow, where do you begin? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think the climate's been telling us something in the last year. It's not happy. <laughs> It's not happy. We're having massive forest fires, uh, droughts in places that have normally got a lot of water, um, uh, mudslides as a consequence of the loss of deforestation, and uh, you know it's <coughs> hurricanes, uh, ice storms. What did they call that? A bomb cyclone. Yeah. We've we've got pictures on the internet of. Alligators frozen, or crocodiles frozen in ice with their little snouts sticking out, doing what they call brumation so that they yeah. slow their metabolism. And that's, and that's just domestically. <laughs> much of our news is filtered almost entirely through that lens. I mean, right. start to look at globally, you know, it's pretty, pretty overwhelming. Which I know is always talked about in terms of, well, what do we do about it? You know, the overwhelm of the effects of it. Um, but it's also surprising that with, you know, the scale of things we've seen here in the United States, um, through the hurricanes, through the forest fires on the west, western part of the U.S., 
um, there was a study put out, I think, by Yale last year or two years ago, asking people if they thought what they thought about climate change if it existed. Overwhelmingly, people said yes. Okay, that's good. And then one of the questions had to do with if they thought people would be directly. You know, do you feel you're, you're directly affected by it? And it was less than 50% of the people, I mean, some places even less than that, that believe that they would be directly affected. So there's still this, this huge gap in my mind around the realities of it locally, internationally, wherever, but people's sort of lack of belief that somehow they're, it's coming in, it's critical. You know, like, <clears throat> the wave isn't going to sweep them up, too. Like, everyone's on a beach together, and the wave's coming, and people are looking at each other, I'm not going to get swept up. And it's like, well, of course you are. Because <laughs> you can't avoid it. So after this year, if that would be different, people would feel they're more impacted. You would hope. And then the question is, when you are, where do you go? You know, I mean, I don't know what you guys have been seeing, but it's just so almost depressing at the lack of real action happening within the arenas of which have the most power to do something about this, whether it's government or corporate interests or whatever, but there's, there's a lot of lip service. Yeah, exactly. Delete climate change from the federal agency that's supposed to be protecting the environment. The, the study that you're referring to, they have a, uh, an opinion section where you can find out what what the views in your own locality are. So in Coos County, um, we were actually a little bit better than I would have thought. We were a little over 50% do believe that there's global warming, climate, man-made causes for that. <clears throat> but less than 50% think it's going to be something that will affect them affect us here within the next 10 years. So the counter to that is what happened in Net Arts Bay with the um, shellfish hatchery, which, you know, that sh the shellfish industry provides 3,000 jobs in the Pacific Northwest. And it was almost decimated and wiped out by ocean acidification, which is a direct result of global warming. Yeah. <clears throat> but people, you know, can't quite connect the dots and see that, you know, it really is. And what do you, I mean, what do you, the two of you think about why it's been so difficult for people, let alone institutions, to get it? Is, are we still so locked into sort of economy and money and sort of a jobs view of the world and sort of that's keeping us or from sort of really understanding what to do or I mean is it a power thing a greed thing convenience thing I mean what what do you guys think yeah, I think it's all of the above but I think that um, having worked in government I think that corporations who um, especially the oil and gas industry and the chemical industry um, have been good at uh, the PR campaign telling you know people that you know we, we need all these things you know we can't we can't have a safe world without chemicals we can't you know we can't have a safe world we, your success is dependent on the amount of gas you can put in if you can't put gas in your car then you can't get to work you know it it's it's this inundation of information 
from people who have an agenda. Mm -hmm. And I don't think the environmental community has been affected, or environmental scientists, which I was one guilty, have been affected at providing information of how this really affects people and, and communities. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, based on, you know, the realities of what's happening on the ground in places and when people want to call that into question or even more so want to stop the very things that are destroying communities and the planet itself. Well, I, I mean, think... It feels, it feels like those entities are... They have an agenda that doesn't match the reality on the ground and so yeah I mean it's a it's a it's a crazy sort of reality of when you actually want to do something deep about it the, the, the greatest mechanisms to utilize are have a counter view of it they want to continue the madness yeah they should be available there to actually stop the madness so what I mean I would boil it down more to like this capitalism which is you know dependent upon continuous growth which obviously is not sustainable but it's also um, that we don't value nature as nature we only value it if we you know extracted it and converted it into cell phones and well, two by fours nature is viewed as a commodity it's regulated under the Commerce Clause. Right, right. That's Which Kai could probably expand yeah. on for us. But but one thing I, I would say, I had an argument once with someone local who was a very, is pro-gas, pro-Jordan Co. And, um, and he said, well, you know, a few environmentalists could bring in, you know, $7 billion to invest in this area, I'd be all for it. And, and my counter to that was, well, shoot, we've already got a quadrillion million dollars worth of, of environment here. You know, <laughs> We're just trying to protect that. And, um, but, and I think he kind of like thought back again, you know, well, I guess that's another way to look at it. But, but um, it's, it's um, learning to recognize that without nature, or kaput, and um, trying to figure out a way to go. You should talk about the Commerce Clause concept, of the constitutional... Yeah. I mean, Patty, you obviously... That was your world for such a long time as a state regulator. And I think that's part of the, as the two of you know, kind of the myth-busting that has to happen, that like state environmental agencies' main charge is to protect the environment, and we have to come to the understanding that most of what those agencies do really is just allow commercial activities to move forward because we view nature as a natural res a resource for human benefit. We decide how much You know, and the, and the legal sort of constitutional sort of engine for all of that is, is commerce and the commerce clause in specific and how powerful that is in our own governmental, you know, DNA that when communities begin to do as things happen here in Coos County, hopefully continue to happen. <clears throat> you know, they're running up against that as well. So there's all the, you know, the propaganda that you brought up earlier, Patty, around what corporations sell people around the goodness of 
benevolent stuff they're doing out there. <clears throat> then there's even, you know, the the gatekeepers like the state agencies who in large degree aren't helping. You know, they're really in a lot of ways hurting the change. And then you've got the law and governance itself also sort of all tied into there and, you know, the economic models of, you know, we need to more and more and more develop, 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 extract, extract, extract. If we don't, we're going to die, which is a crazy notion. And so, yeah, it becomes more, it should become more clear to people of how difficult it is, but hopefully with that clarity, you know, we begin to figure out ways to start really doing something about it. You know, that was the great thing here in, uh, in Coos County last year that people were saying, these large projects that aren't only going to impact us here locally from a climate perspective, but globally, it, it's, you can't do it. I mean, it's, it's madness again. <clears throat> and so, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see with the increase as all the scientists are predicting around wildfires or hurricanes or temperature swings or if people start to, you know, assimilate that into themselves and start to really realize that they're part of this, not separate from it. Because um, I'm convinced, I don't know about you two, but it's going to take everyday people to really be the driving agent to change yes. behavior because governments and corporations have clearly made it known that they have little to no interest to do anything really serious about the seriousness of climate changing here and anywhere else. And so, you know, that's <clears throat> these kinds of conversations we are having today. It's, and I think we've been part of them and we've overheard them. And the, I think the disappointing thing for me is they all seem to fall flat because people then, in most cases, turn to the agents of destruction mm -hmm. themselves and want to expect them to change their behavior because right. we ask them. Right. And we're you know, going to go to Exxon Mobil to, to solve our problems. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, this people may not hear this till after Martin Luther King Day, but it's <laughs> you know, it's his line about you can't, you know, the oppressor doesn't voluntarily give up its you know, authority to oppress you, you have to, you have to seize it, you have to take it, you know, that's, that's where we're at, and I think the more people wake up to that, the greater chance we have of actually saving and, and ourselves. And you can't just ask nicely, please don't oppress me, <laughs> you have to. Yeah, so there's this, there's this need to kind of build a, a just, I mean, it's, to me, it's a just sort of radical edge that has to build in people, mm -hmm. um, and such that you do get to the point where the entities that have the greatest ability to make that change can't ignore that reality anymore because I mean, they're literally looking over their shoulder and the people are right there saying, if you don't, you know, there's going to be consequences for you kind of a thing. And that's usually where politicians jump in anyway to then take credit. And in my mind, I don't care who gets the credit, right, just exactly. that the change happens, but we're not there yet. Um, well, one of the things that you've brought up, and you know, is, and is that what happens here is going to impact not just here. Um, for example, look at Fukushima, for example. Here, they made decisions in Japan that are affecting mm -hmm. the West Coast, um, Pacific Northwest, um, and um, well, even the acidification of the ocean stuff you mentioned isn't right. just because of just because of us. here. It's I yeah, just, I mean, yeah. Yeah, that can, I mean, in some ways it's a bizarre thing, but as the problems increase, hopefully people's understanding that the things are so interrelated, interconnected, will also become more, 
you know, again, people become more aware. Or the, or the recent, you know, uh, result that, that if Jordan Cove uh, starts, uh, is built and starts operating here, that the impact it's going to have just on the state of Oregon in terms of meeting its own greenhouse gas level, emissions levels and so forth. Yeah, I mean, you guys have... You know, I have some serious things mm-hmm. on the horizon. Yes. That pipeline with the terminal. Right. Um, you know, with this, the new rumblings, literally, I guess, of fracking going on in your county. Right, right. Let alone all the other kind of, again, extractive sacrifice zone activities, whether it's industrial logging and the chemicals that go with it. <clears throat> you know, like how much more, you know. How much, how much more can... How much, how much more of a beating can and you guys take county it county, county. <laughs> and it's so sad because you know it's these areas here in Oregon or wherever a lot of places they're so amazingly beautiful in the sense of the well, natural Coos, environment Coos Bay is one of the largest wetlands on the coast you know it's it's not the largest but it's one of the mm-hmm. and you know people don't appreciate the value that wetlands have on oceans and and everything else. In fact, you know, we filed a, a motion to intervene <coughs> with FERC just based on the ec- ecosystem's value to to clean oceans and, and local fishing and, and so forth. I think um, Coos County is a million square acres. Sixty-six percent of it is owned by. Wall Street hedge funds and operated as large track timber. Um, it runs under the Oregon Forest Practices Act. It's sprayed. Um, we are literally a resource colony for people who pay almost nothing in property taxes, do not live here, and and now we're <clears throat> now we're you know talking about being a resource colony for a bunch of Canadians who literally threatened Coos County voters with lawsuits if they didn't vote in the best interests of the company. So, um, Did you guys want to remind people about the effort that was here last year, what it was about? Because I think it not only ties into what you were just saying, but right. also the forethought that, <coughs> that <coughs> excuse me, there's going to be other things. You know, it wasn't just the pipeline, but... Right. You guys had forethought to say, well, there could be other potential fossil fuel-like threats coming, and now the fracking's coming up, and, now and the deeper tracking. reality that mm-hmm. fossil fuels are a dead end. If we want some kind of energy, it's got to come from something that's not going to kill the planet, but can operate within the count, you know, the boundaries of what nature can provide. You know, it's, it's you know, you guys, I think, knew this going into it. It's it's so hard to be in a position where you understand this and that in time you know others will get it and you'll be sitting there saying well do I bite my tongue or do I say I told you so like we've been telling you this you know mm-hmm. so that's yeah I mean you guys created something here last year so I don't know if you want to remind people well, yeah. what had happened Patty and I were co-petitioners for a measure uh, 6-162 the Coos County Right to a Sustainable Energy Future Ordinance, um, and um, we uh, failed 
to um, pass that measure, um, but it was because a um, Canadian company funded um, uh, a political action committee. Out of Portland. <laughs> Didn't even bring the money here. Didn't even bring the money here. And um, just beat the bejesus out of us with a little over $700,000 um, to, to thwart our measure. From what we know, I would say probably... Oh, I know it was more than that. Probably just, a million plus. It was probably yeah. a million plus because they did stuff earlier on. They were running push polls way back in the summer. And all Which is crazy. Anyone that knows anything about politics in Oregon, mm -hmm. anything in Coos County, a million dollars on one yeah. ballot measure. So the goal for them was not, they were not worried about Jordan Cove becoming a reality. They were worried about becoming aware and asserting their rights. That's, that's a movement that and big-ass countries do not want to see come to fruition. People asserting their rights feeling like they have as much right as, as a corporation. <laughs> For God's sakes, what are we thinking? I know, I know. So so that was one of the main reasons for the measure was to elevate the rights of the community over the rights of a, of a corporation, in this case not even a, a local corporation, a Canadian firm mm -hmm. um, who wants to take U.S. landowners' property via eminent domain to benefit Canadian shareholders. Mm -hmm. Um, but so our small measure threatened them enough that they felt they had to spend a million dollars to defeat us. So in, in a sense, that is a victory. Yeah. Not that, <laughs> not, that, not that we stopped them, but that shows you the level of threat that that how fearful corporations are of people, communities becoming aware and active. Yeah. Self-determining. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is, it's even crazy we're having to have this conversation mm -hmm. to think. A corporation, you know, an artificial entity that is just defined by corporate codes of another country or state or wherever, has more rights and power, not just economically but legally speaking, to do what it wants with your community. You know that you're 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 nothing to the corporate form. And so I think you're absolutely right when people are saying, well, wait a second, that's so, you know what, backwards. Mm -hmm. and This is my community. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> <coughs> Not yours. But even more shocking is that there aren't enough communities that have come to, to that understanding, which makes what happened here so important mm -hmm. and why it needs to happen in other places. Is, yeah. You know, we've been duped. Yeah. Duped for way too long, and I think... You know, like you guys, other places have started to wake up saying we're done being duped. And we're, you know, we're going to go after the interests who believe they control us, like corporations and, you know, really using government against us too. And I think that's, that's exactly why they spend the money they spend, it's, you know, because, you know, they're not stupid. And for all the things that they do that are stupid in the sense of the planet, you know, they're very calculating, they understand. <clears throat> and so what, what people think is the government exists to protect the people. And what we've learned um, again and again and again, and certainly right here in Coos County, is the government exists to protect the corporate interests yeah. and not the people. And the people are just incidental collateral damage, I think. Yeah. You know, and that's one of the reasons 
the dirtiest projects go in the most rural areas because we're all sold this bill of goods that, you know, this corporate white knight is going to come to Coos County and save us. Mm-hmm. Give us jobs. Yeah. yeah. We're going to have, you know, gold-plated classrooms and granite roads and uh, so forth. But if you look empirically at, at other places that rely heavily on fossil fuels, for example, as an extraction industry, Port Arthur, Texas, Galveston, um, just along the whole Gulf Coast, they have, uh, their economic indicators are even worse than Coos County. And Coos County already has been living as a resource extraction in Orchard County. And then all of a sudden our corporate white knight decided to, you know, shift gears, <coughs> warehouser, and go out of the lumber business and become a real estate investment trust instead. <laughs> and, and 1,200 people lost their jobs and, and, um, and you know, so we're living, breathing example of what happens when corporate interests rather than local interests make decisions where we live. Yeah, and I think you guys are one example of, of how you get punished for when you come to that realization and then act upon it. Yeah. So the million dollars coming in or however much it was, whatever the repercussions that were um, a result of you guys saying, well, wait a second, this project's a bad idea and if we're going to have new energy projects, it needs to be built on a new model and we need to be the ones that decide that, not you, the corporate interest. You know, of course, other ways... Um, when you talk about Texas, you know, um, communities, let's say, trying to ban fracking, well, their punishment was new state preemption coming in saying you can't do that. Or lawsuits coming in through the door, as you guys know, in other places where CELDEF is working, Mm -hmm. telling the community you can't protect yourself from this fossil fuel project. Poison. Yeah, from this poison that we've got more rights to poison you than you have the right to say no to it. So the lawsuits come in. Um, people being blackballed from, you know, their job, um, you know, and insurance policies being stripped from municipalities right. um, because they're trying to stand up for what's just and right against the illegitimate, you know, onslaught of these of these corporate because projects. Because they're trying to protect themselves. Yeah, and then the, yeah. the latest <clears throat> is is not only to punish the community when it does that, but actually to start going after the resources that the communities have utilized to do that, in this case, in the form of, you know, lawyers. Right. So, you know, there was just a, a case in a small community in Pennsylvania called Grant Township who's trying to keep poisonous uh, injection wastewater out of their community because after the fracking operation, the toxic soup has to go somewhere and they've just been pushing it back into the ground and people are very concerned about you know the earthquake situation they're concerned about you know water pollution for them and the ecosystems and all the other kind of ramifications for that sort of activity and practice and so not only the corporations suing communities for damages and to overturn the laws but they've now actually filed these sanctions claims to the into the court claiming that um, the lawyers representing these communities are doing so on a frivolous basis, that your right to self-determine is frivolous. And so, 
in, in this particular case in Grant Township, the federal magistrate judge in Pennsylvania agreed with the corporate interests. And, was you it know, federal or a local magistrate? No, it was a, it was a federal magistrate judge. Oh, okay. And, you know, the original claim was for half a million dollars. <clears throat> she dropped it to, to 10% of that, but basically fined the attorneys representing the community $52,000. So you have to pay the corporate interest because you're wasting the court's time, you're wasting the corporation's time and resources, and your legal argument um, has has no merit. It's frivolous, as the court says, mm -hmm. that people have this right to self-determine, let alone the right to protect the ecosystems from a rights-based standpoint, that that is, that is frivolous. So the attacks are coming at... The mechanisms that support communities like yours and others who want to do that work, and so again, the corporations you know, are looking for any means possible mm -hmm. to kill this idea that people know best. Right. And so this is another method to try to to try to freeze the notion that people should be speaking up. And I mean, it's nowhere near as as vicious and torturous as you know the time of slavery, but it's, it's, it has a similar sort of approach in that as the people get unruly and as the people begin to bring things you know, to greater visibility, in essence, revolt against the system and rebel against and try to liberate themselves, the system punishes those people, those communities, to a more and more severe level. And that's what they did with various slave codes over the years, is they punished any sort of slave revolts to basically try to kill this idea of freedom and liberating people from an oppressive system. That's the very thing that's happening. And so you mentioned earlier, Patty, this idea that, well, they spend a million dollars on us. It must mean we're actually doing the right thing, that, that they're threatened. And I think this is another level, a deeper level even, of the threat of the corporate interest to begin to try to take out the attorneys that represent the communities because um, they do understand that it's a power thing. It's a power shift that's being pushed for and advocated for. Mm -hmm. And so they've taken it to a new level to try to wipe out legal representation for communities. And so that is, I think, another badge of another badge of honor in some ways <laughs> that you're getting closer to the source of... It's almost like, you know, you're flying... You know, Star Wars, I guess, is a big deal right now. It's almost like you're flying into the Death Star, you know, trying to wipe out the Death yeah. Star. And so we're getting closer to that core. Right. And, you know, the system is looking ways to, you know, to kill the what they consider to be a virus. Um, and the virus is us, right. you know. <laughs> we'll return after a very short break. You're listening to KJAJ 98.1, Coos Community Radio. Coos Community Radio is a listener-supported, nonprofit radio station. If you'd like to help support KJAJ, please visit kjaj.org slash donate. Thank you. Say 
gently swept away The roof is showing signs that it might not be with us long Whatever we hold on to once, hope is gone Just like the wildfires and the hurricanes, are these other things of which will start to really galvanize and mobilize people everywhere, including here in Coos County? What What was interesting to me when I, I scanned that um, decision that the, the judge wrote, I, I didn't read it in depth, but I scanned it. And, well, what What offended me about it the most was this kind of inference that... Um, the communities themselves are just buckets. We don't, we aren't intelligent. We aren't, you know, making decisions for ourselves. And that it basically, um, it's it's mean, horrible lawyers that are that are, that are, that are making these decisions for us. And um, 
it was just very condescending. It was just like, you know, who the hell does she think she is, this judge? And, yeah. And I was like, I will definitely write her a letter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't you think that's kind of been the, the corporate mindset, even here in Coos County? That oh, they it's just, totally. They the, just believe that, hey, these are simple people. They don't know any better. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll give them a, a you know, so-called decent-paying job, and mm-hmm. things so, will be so fine. So conversely, though, what, 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 and I have to be mindful that I'm not falling into the same kind of uh, trap, you know, this... Um, uh, bias, I guess. But I look at a lot of our local elected officials who are pro Jordan Co. and I, I would give them the benefit of the doubt in that they believe that Jordan Co. will somehow be the you know, answer. The, the Everybody's answer. always looking for the silver bullet. Yeah. I remember a, a, one of the earlier uh, editors used the glass slipper as an analogy. <laughs> and I, um, I, but but what it seems to me is that they, this is my bias probably, but they're looking at these people and they're listening to the data and the spiel that these corporate interests provide. And they just accept it as fact without doing any other research on their own, simply because they perceive these people as being successful. Mm-hmm. And they don't question how it is that they became successful, you know, and, and or what the cost is to the community. They can't yeah. see past that. It's I mean, like, I think the other thing tied to that is, I mean, structurally and, you know, legally, constitutionally, if, if we don't have a different standard, it's very easy for these, you know, proposals to come in. It's very easy for elected officials even or the, you know, the power brokers in your community to just move ahead with it because there's nothing, there's nothing stopping them. Mm-hmm. You know, so, <clears throat> you know, though there's there's civil rights violations in a lot of different forms in the workplace and in society mm-hmm. still. There are there are measures of which have to give you pause because we've come as a society to recognize certain rights. And so the egregiousness of it is not to where it once was when those rights weren't recognized. So the, the question becomes, where are the community's rights in, this, in these proposals? And if they actually did exist in the sense of being recognized and secured, yeah, do these proposals then have to actually be weighed against that? And then when they are, it would be like, well, thanks for coming, but you're going to violate these values of our community in a way that we just can't accept. And so, I mean, that was the fight that you guys brought forward around this idea of being decision makers. And I think that's the bigger fight, which, again, the corporations don't want to let go of. So they spend the money or they do the sanction stuff. But that's really the proposal here is if we're going to have the kind of communities we want. Because it's not about you guys saying, no, we don't want to have any means of trade and an economy or system of exchange of goods and services. Of course, I mean, that's been around for thousands and thousands of years in some form or the other. But I think the question is, what does it look like? And then what... What standard does it actually have to go through before it actually becomes a reality? As you know, it's what we have today is not adequate from a local standpoint, let alone a global environmental standpoint. So yeah, it becomes so easy for the people who are quote unquote in charge, you know, to, to subscribe to it because 
there's nothing they have to put in their consciousness unless right. they're already there as an individual because the system's not forcing them to look at that. They have to be an involved person as it is to say, right. this is a bad idea, even though there's in some ways nothing legally stopping, in some ways, you know, the pipeline and the terminal from coming in. Because if we're honest about it, you know, there's very little from a legal perspective to stop the pipeline and the terminal from coming into Cruz County. Well, what and was, so what, what I, is that going to look like? What was interesting to me, obviously, none of the elected officials came to the defense of the landowners, the 50 miles of pipe that's in Coos County. Never heard a single word from any any official saying, gosh, you know, we've got to be mindful of these landowners who are going to lose their property. Not a peep from any of our elected officials ever. That said, there's 234 miles of pipeline. A very small portion of it is in Coos County. Well, the terminal is in Coos County. Um, but but we are, our neighbors down the line are deeply affected. And so, and then, you know, we have associates in Colorado where, you know, this is going to be fracked gas from, yeah. from the Rocky Mountain states um, who are desperately fighting fracking because they're all getting sick, their kids are getting sick, their, their blood tests are showing high levels of benzene and, and so on and so forth, um, all kinds of things that shouldn't be in a blood, blood test. And... Um, and what everybody here is saying, well, we don't care what happens to our Wyoming neighbors. You know, we don't care because because it's good for us. And we need jobs. We need the money here. I think some of that's starting to shift, I mean, which is the good thing. I think some people are becoming more aware that there's there's upstream or downstream realities, and so. Well, they, though I think it doesn't happen in the level it needs to, I think there are people starting to say, not only not in my backyard, but in nobody's backyard. Like yeah. I'm working, starting some conversations with folks up in uh, the northeast corner of Washington State that are mm -hmm. slated to get a silicone smelter. And the, you know, the end product is supposed to be used in renewable energy stuff and other things that use silicone. So, you know, it's again this myth that somehow, you know, the solar industry is a great solution for energy when there's a lot of dirty aspects that lead to the production of what is a cleaner end product energy, but, you know, the, the manufacturing chain of it is not. A clean operation. So, but these people, it was interesting. I, this issue came up a few months back, and there were sort of different views about what to do. Like, well, not here, but maybe in some other part of the county, or well, maybe not another part of the county, but some other county. Or, but now it's you know a, a recent conversation I have with at least a group of people. They've come to the understanding like this thing shouldn't be built anywhere because yeah. it's just another thing that's going to kill us. And right. why should we don't want it. Why should anyone else want it? And so that was that was refreshing and encouraging mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. me to have people not be so just, you know, my community, my place, but still have this, this bigger global sense that this is madness anywhere, and we need to play our role in trying to stop it here, not just for our sake, but for others to do the same, that we have to become these roadblocks for these... Projects, and I think that's the same thing in my mind for like Coos County and the adjacent counties. Is there's an opportunity here to be that roadblock, not just to preserve your quality of life, but as a signal that hey, you need to do this in other places because 
the, you know, the guys in charge are running us off the cliff Or here. alternatively, that we find sustainable ways to boost our economy rather than relying on 19th century technology. You know, we ought to be going up. I do think, though, as, um, you know, for, for, the, for the people in the audience who are not aware, our board of commissioners um, renewed a lease with a company um, uh, called Coos Bay Energy LLC, which is a wholly owned subsidiary of a, another company in Connecticut called, um, which is then in turn owned by a London firm and is trading on the London stock market and uh, they're boosting their stocks because they are, guess what, going to drill and frack for coal bed methane right here in Coos County. Uh, I have heard some result reports that it's actually going on right now. They are purportedly using um, pneumatic fracturing rather than hydraulic fracturing, but that could change, of course. And pneumatic fracturing is really no better than hydraulic fracturing. <coughs> um, yeah, but it's still, and the and, and idea is still pulling hydrocarbons out to burn more hydrocarbons, which we clearly know is leaking methane all causing over the place. Right. climate disruption. Right. Plus, <laughs> plus, for those of you who don't already know, we do sit on top of a big subduction zone, and so triggering earthquakes is probably not in our best Poking interest. The belly of the beast. <laughs> It'd be like, you know, it'd be like, you know, someone gave you something that finally got determined as poisoned, and then yet they're still giving you the poison to consume. Like, no one would, no one in their right mind would continue to consume poison once they found out that it was poison. Like, why? I mean, it's just, it literally, would, I mean, it just blows the mind that that's I what saw, the system continues to subscribe to. I saw this great um, ad comparing uh, the $3 million Bugatti Chiron, and they have spent all this money um, developing this engine. It sucks in something like 13,000 gallons of air every minute and it does all these powerful things and it hits 0 to 60 in 2.7 seconds and it does 285 miles per hour and if it were running flat out it would empty its 22 gallon tank in 11 minutes <laughs> so and 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 it's you know a prized luxury item and um, and so um, what was interesting to me, uh, then they compared it to the um, Tesla Roadster, which does 0 to 60 in 1.9 seconds, um, does 250 miles per hour plus, and has a 650-mile range. <laughs> and so we can continue to build on really old technology and refine it and so forth, but in my mind that's not innovation and that's certainly not thinking about the future. Yeah. You know, maybe it's time to just try something entirely new, do it better, and for a lot less money. So. <laughs> yeah, I and mean, I also wonder even in the world of, of things like Tesla, how environmentally destructive. I, I'm not disputing No, I, I, I know that. <laughs> yeah. But I guess that, I think that becomes part of the problem, though, is 
as there is this, and I'm not, I know that wasn't why you brought that up, but yeah. there is this sort of like pursuit of the one-for-one one exchange. Uh-huh. Like, can we exchange this bad thing for something that's a good thing to still kind of maintain, again, the illusion in my mind that we can keep going at the rate we're going with the way that we interrelate with the world. And I think for really honest there's very drastic change that has to happen right. that technology can play a part in, but I think there's also, I mean, again, I know that wasn't your point, but there are people who believe that technology is going to be the silver bullet, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, which right. I think that's a crazy notion as yeah. well because, <clears throat> again, we're in a finite existence and yes. there's, there's these proposals that still subscribe to sort of the infinite sort of worldview within a finite construct and those those are diametrically opposed to one another mm-hmm. um, so I think down the line there has to be some real radical shifts and so then the question is which I think is we've been we've gotten to here and there is you know how do you begin to make that bigger shift and again I think what you guys did here is a more honest analysis and a deeper analysis of how the shift needs to happen as well as how it could look if we lived in this reality, even of this idea of communities deciding over corporate interests mm-hmm. and taking into account not just the people but the environment. That immediately, in my mind, forces a very different view of how humans' ingenuity and creativeness get applied because we are very smart creatures in that regard we've right. in my mind I think been misapplying it we've been stupid in how we've applied, applied that creativity <laughs> the question is can we be smart in how we apply that creativity because we've subscribed to new world view which is really an old world view that we are part of not separate from mm-hmm. the natural environment mm-hmm. I mean that's I mean I don't think we're going to see that in our lifetimes but that's the exciting thing for me about what could come and and one of the stumbling blocks is when you talk to people about, you know, alternative energy. Well, well what, what could replace, you know, oil and gas? What could, you know, we're looking, and, and, and again, I think corporations have been very good at selling this idea that, oh, we can't replace our use of oil and gas. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, for, I think for most people, that's the biggest stumbling block is, you know, what's the transition? What, what, what's the alternative? And, you know, I think even if we never eliminated oil and gas, we could use it better if we used these other technologies. Mm-hmm. You know, if you use other, te- you know, if you use solar and you use wind, and then as a backup, you use other things, at least you're using them efficiently. Yeah. Um, there's no efficiency to our, our current use of... Well, the, the capitalist model, or the, or the Wall Street model, efficiency is counterproductive right. to quarterly profits. Mm-hmm. That's you know, right. So. But like in a human, human social construct, this idea of fossil fuel energy or external energy is a new notion. The only energy people utilized was the sun and maybe burning wood. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> you know, and there were some pretty amazing things that those social systems achieved within that so there's also that's on the other end of the spectrum I think from what you were just describing and and maybe there's yeah maybe there's a sweet spot that we meet that eventually then 
is the propellant to get to something that is reasonable and in harmony with, not in opposition to, not only the natural <coughs> environment, but, you know, one another even, or this idea that, it, you know, an artificial entity can control what happens to living, breathing human beings. What I mean there is how can a corporation that doesn't exist but on paper <coughs> have more power than, you know, a society of people like here in Coos County, let alone who all the here, other creatures out there. Who live here have to breathe the air. Yeah. Whose children have to breathe the air, uh, drink the water, and, um, you know, and walk down the street. And so one of the one of the things to throw in the mix before, you know, our time's up here um, is not only the stuff that's been happening here and other places about communities doing this local lawmaking that positions their rights as superior to corporate rights as a means to stop the bad stuff from coming in as well as to advocate for the needed shift <clears throat> and how that's starting to push towards state-level constitutional changes and, you know, that beginning of that wheel slowly starting to turn. Um, one of the interesting things that we have started to talk with people about, and now two people have adopted it, is this idea of actually trying to use their own sort of, um, their own power through property, um, which is another conversation mm -hmm. at some other time, but, uh -huh. you know, taking their own property and putting their property into a conservation easement, which is something that's been around for 40 or 50 years, but also wrapping in this idea of the rights of nature ecosystems onto their property, which is a, is a new concept because our law doesn't, like you said earlier, the law sees nature as a thing, as, as a resource, as not having rights. <clears throat> and so just in December, a landowner on the island of Kauai adopted a rights of nature conservation easement on her property. So she's, you know, in essence sort of freed nature on her property as being seen as having rights now. So that becomes another mechanism for people to maybe be that that accelerant for the change. If the governmental change through lawmaking is not possible, people taking private action <clears throat> themselves to begin to force the notion of, of changing the legal system and how it views people and the environment. I think one of the interesting things there, and I've talked to Mary about this, um, you know, off of this conversation, but this idea that perhaps landowners that may be affected by the pipeline, for instance, may be putting their land in the rights of nature conservation easement as a means to push back against, you know, the so-called official channels that will approve this thing as a means to, to get it in front of the pipeline. Um, that, you know, this land recognizes the rights of ecosystems of which cannot be affected by your destructive fossil fuel project, for instance. Um, that there may be some other entry points in here than the official process or the local lawmaking uh, that private landowners could consider uh, undertaking both for the protection of their land, um, also for, you know, stopping the project. And I guess the third thing, really, again, that that global mentality that not here, not anywhere. And so I think it's about, again, using our creativity to find means to build that movement that changes the system is really what you guys have been working on here and other places have also been attempting to do because uh, if we don't, we know what, we know what the end is. I'd like to um, take a break. Um, and then I would like to spend a little more time expounding on these um, rights of nature, 
conservation easements if, if you're willing to do that. Yeah. I want to thank my guests again, Patty Gavea and Kai Hushka of uh, the Community Environmental Legal Defense Fund at CELDF.org. We'll bring the final segment of this program um, in the next few days. We want to thank Flappers Coffee House for putting up with us recording here today. I'd like to also thank KJAJ for uh, giving us this venue. Uh, KJAJ is a listener-supported community radio, and you can help by going to kjaj.org donate, and uh, we could certainly use your financial support. Um, again, you can also visit cooscommons.org uh, <clears throat> if you're interested in community rights, elevating the rights of the community over the corporations, and working on a sustainable ec economy here in Coos County. Thank you again, and I look forward to seeing you next time.